So as you know, on Unscalable, we like to speak to people who have adopted an unscalable strategies to growing their business. Now, we usually discuss small strategies and tactics that can really propel your business forward. But today, we are very excited to discuss an area that I feel is very often overlooked, especially during COVID, and that is mental health and work-life balance. So today, I'm really excited to have Leora Mofsevitz on the show. Leora is a functional medicine coach and wellness entrepreneur. So Leora, can you please introduce yourself and explain what it is that you do? Hi, Martine. Really excited about our conversation today. So I'm a functional medicine certified health coach. And what I do is I help people in terms of managing their health and well-being, but from the view of understanding what it means to look actually for what is right with a person rather than what's wrong with a person. Because so much um, around medicine and health is about what's wrong. It's always about the pathology and a problem. Whereas when you start to actually focus on what's right, you're able to work on more of that with somebody. So I know we had a chat earlier and you are the eternal optimist. So I'm sure you can identify with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it reminds me just generally in in parenting, they always say it's so easy to focus on the negative and say, you shouldn't have done that. That's naughty. You know, there's some Mm. schools of thought that would ban the word naughty or ban the word no, and rather just just flip it into um, recognizing the positive things and then the the, the positive you hope will outweigh the negative. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I, if I look at what we, we focus on as health coaches with people is, you know, if somebody, if I just use a silly example, they say there, I'm a migraine sufferer. Okay. So if you use that mm. example, are you, and you break it down and you say, well, how often do you actually get migraines? And they say, well, I get them, you know, once or twice a month, I get them. Now, why have you boxed yourself into being a migraine sufferer when the other 28 days of the month, maybe you don't get migraines. So we often define ourselves by our health challenges rather than our health possibility. That's very interesting. So what is it that made you want to get into this industry? So it's it's very interesting how it all began for me. Um, I actually started um, studying at university. I studied psychology and my favorite subject was health psychology. So back in 1998, there was no such thing as coaching wasn't really a big thing. And it was my favorite lecture series um, on health psychology. And I think that's when the the seed was planted for me. Um, I've had my own mental health challenges over the years as well that I've had to deal with and and face. Uh, and I'm still continuing to to deal with those challenges. And it feels like an organic fit for, for who I am in the world. Um, it's, um, it's what I believe in, that we all have health potential. So whatever that potential is, and we've got to exercise that. So there really is a sense of me being grateful um, that I've found. This. So it's not something, I don't know, sometimes in life, you don't, I don't even know how I, I exactly landed up other than my really good friend at the time offering me a job in South Africa. And she said to me, we want you to be the, the sales rep for our company. Um, and it's selling health products. So I said, okay, I can do that. I like health. I'm interested in health. Um, and that was about 15 years ago. And it's just been a never ending journey of, of learning and development since then. Oh, wow. Can you explain a little bit about how you work with, with businesses? So it's interesting, you know, um, the businesses that I've had exposure to and the people that I've worked with, there's almost a need for first working with in, independently with the CEO um, in the company themselves. So there first needs to be buy in at, at the level of the person that's sitting on the top, because if they haven't had any kind of um, coaching experience, they may find it difficult to see the need for this um, in their organization. So I tend to start in a one-on-one 
um, encounter with the CEO where they get to experience what the work is like. And then we do masterclasses. I also bring in a team of um, other suppliers as part of my support network. I've got yoga teachers. I've got uh, Pilates instructors. I've got uh, functional medicine doctors. So depending on what the needs are of that particular company, um, if they're going through change, if they're going through growth, whatever they're dealing with, we'll put together something that's meaningful for them, um, for their staff as well. So that, that's something that um, I'm working on as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's say a, a CEO, would they reach out to you and say something like, um, we feel we have the need for, for you to come in? Are they normally able to recognize that there's a need? Or do you feel that CEO, like all companies need some some process? Or some, they have some need to get someone like you in to help them. Is this like a widespread need? I think the small to medium-sized businesses um, recognize mm-hmm. the need but maybe don't always have the resources. And I'm somehow attracted mm-hmm. to the smaller startup companies. I just, it's, I, I'm, I'm passionate about people that maybe don't have as much backing them um, as a big corporate mm-hmm. would where there's, you know, there's big HR departments and there's um, – you know, there's well-being days and that maybe that right. will get done. But how do we support those companies where maybe it's it's not the automatic for them, not because they don't care about their people, but because they aren't at the level of resources that they would like to be at. So um, I always I work with people in terms of w- what they can manage. So why do you think that work life and wellness is so important? And what do you think is at stake if a company doesn't have these beliefs? Well, it's the, probably the most profound question. Um, and clearly, as, as a woman, as a nurturer, as um, you understand what this means in your family life. So eventually, something's going to snap. It's as simple as that. There's only so many hours of lost sleep that you can have. And there's only so, there's only so many cups of coffee you can drink or or units of alcohol that you can have to quieten you down in the night or whatever it is that people are doing just to survive. So it's absolutely paramount. Um, and if COVID isn't something to cement that, then what is, I mean, this is the clearest mm-hmm. thing, literally a health crisis put the world at a standstill. So nobody can argue any longer um, that health mm-hmm. is front and center stage um, for the growth of and the, and the well-being of the business. People want to work for healthy companies. How do you think that COVID has affected um, the well-being of employees generally? You know, I can speak from the people that I've, the clients that I've been working with. There's this need to prove your presence um, in business. Um, there's a need to show how much you're checking in. Um, there's the challenge of, uh, you know, working with um, other employees. Suddenly you're in a, in, in a, in a Zoom type of um, setup. And then you've got the challenges of everything else that's going on at home. I mean, I, I didn't warn you, Martine. I'm hoping my kids don't bang this door down <laughs> anytime soon. Yeah. But that's the reality. You know, mom's in a meeting, yeah. don't disturb. What kind of pressure does that put? Um, and then how are women sometimes overperforming in their job just to keep that job happening? Are they then putting in extra hours at night um, just to get that, you know, that day done? So there's, there's definite, definite impact. Yeah. I mean, I feel on a personal level, just generally, even back to last year when COVID first hit and we were having to homeschool. I mean, for me, I felt like I was treading water day in and day out because it's just this demand for, you know, you want to get your work done. You've got certain goals you have to achieve, but you also want a little bit of time for yourself, but there's no separation and you're homeschooling. And I was just chatting to so many people who were saying that like their customers or their clients just aren't 
adapting their thinking to what's going on. They're, they're, they're still demanding the same, the same um, results or the same timescale or whatever it is. And I would be absolutely gobsmacked because I was like, it's not just her family. It's everybody in the whole world is going through the same thing. So how are people not helping each other out here and giving a bit of leeway and allowing things to slip? Just not, not in a ghastly way, but just allowing things to slip and just take that little bit longer than than it would normally yeah i think you know what to what you're saying there's maybe a lack of compassion um, for people but also where is the pressure where is the pressure cooker coming from you know where what is that pressure cooker sometimes people can impose that pressure um on themselves and Mm. other times there is this external pressure so i think one of the exercises that i often do with my clients is i I use that example of, of of literally of the pressure cooker um and we use i and i use very practical simple techniques with people as well. You know, I, I did this with a client yesterday. I told her to open up her calendar and share it with me across the screen. And she'd picked a different color in her calendar, which was, was for self-care and well-being. There was no Amazing. color of that in her calendar at all. Uh, okay. So it was, the, the color was purple. And I said to her, wow. I see no purple. You know, let's put it in. Now, she's time blocked her lunch hour for the next week. I said to her on her grave one day, it's not going to say you gave up, you didn't work between, you know, you worked from one to two every day, Monday to mm-hmm. Friday um, in your mm-hmm. lunch hour. So she's also juggling lots of different balls. But I, I also said to her, she now has gained five hours in that week in the middle of her workday. That's for her. And I don't care what she really does at that time. That is her time. Um, and all I stand as is her accountability partner to check in yeah. with her, not to, to, not to test her, but because I genuinely care. So you know, there was an article that I read in, I think it was in Forbes last year in June, which spoke to um, needing almost like a well-being officer. I think it's what they're called. Yeah. Somebody that genuinely checks in on the well-being of their of their clients. So of their staff, should I say. So it's not something perhaps that companies, especially your smaller companies, could hire a full-time person to manage that, but they could outsource people to come in and do workshops with their staff, do um, you know, do one-on-ones even, you know, I mean, imagine what it would look like if you've got a staff complement of 50 people and you've got 50, 30 minute sessions booked with somebody to yeah. manage the well-being aspect of those staff. Like we're going to actually check in with you and it's whatever those people need. So there's, there's a lot that yeah. can be done. You know, it's, it's actually exciting. I'm not, a, I like, I, I'm, I'm excited about what's changing and happening. It's going to be good. It, it has, there had to be an interruption, Martine. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why I started off by saying I think it's something that's overlooked. People just assume that things are fine and this, this kind of, this kind of visual of you never know what goes on behind closed doors, but it's the same with a person. A person could appear absolutely fine and you never really know, you know, what's going on. Or it might be something so little that you can just nip in the bud and they can, and, they, and they'll be better or for it. Exactly. It, it's, it's that cumulative effect where people yeah. want to perform well at work. They, they're struggling in their home life. They're struggling in their, in, in so many different aspects. And then that's when you suddenly um, get a phone call, you know, just to say, I'm, I'm resigning. And you've yeah. built so much in this person over all those years. And then you, you don't know where, where did I lose you? You know, how did, how did that happen? Yeah, I was going to say, you never saw it coming. That's probably the worst thing. And there were all these warning signs you never saw, or you never noticed. You never saw. Wow. Isn't she, isn't she, a, isn't he or she a, a superhero? You know, like four kids, 
um, doing this job, doing that, like, wow, what, what a superhero. And I think superhero status is something that we need to change what the cape of the superhero looks like. You know, it's like, mm. let it be a trans, let it be transparent, be transparent and, and make it okay for not being perfect at work to be the norm and to speak up and encourage, empl- empl- encourage people to be real, to be authentic yeah. and to feel safe that your job is not on the line if you're having a rough day. So we have a lot of CEOs and founders listening in. What would you say are the warning signs or things they should look out for in their teams that might indicate that they might need your services? Such a good question. What are the warning signs? You know, if I were to say a key warning sign would be over productivity, strangely, Mm. um, suddenly needing to prove how they're being, getting emails at one o'clock in the morning, and then the next email at five o'clock in the morning. I think sleep disturbance and overproductivity um, go hand in hand, and there's a, there's a, going to be a steady decline in that person moving forward. So I would watch for that. Not thinking, wow, have I got one hell of a committed employee yeah. when that email comes in at one a.m. I was just going to say, I think that's that's. I think we kind of need to go out of our way to change the stigma because there is such a thing about wow, that is the star employee. The one mm. who does that or works on weekends or go, works overtime or stays in the office until midnight. Mm. But actually, you know, you, you can be a lot more productive in, in those core hours that you work and have, you know, go out after work and have a bit of work-life balance. And then you're fresh, fresher that next morning than you would have been had you worked through the night. hundred percent. And I think that's where, that's where we need to, yeah, we need to change the conversation, um, yeah. we, you know, and, and how productive people could rather be working concentrated, you know, good quality hours and then making time for rest, relaxation, restoration, especially if there's creativity that's required, hobbies, you know, what actually makes you tick? What do you enjoy doing other than your work? Yeah. I had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day. We're at Sendable, we're recruiting. And um, I was chatting to somebody who said, she's a, she's um she really likes to work on the sofa. That's where she feels productive. She said, but when she has meetings, she comes to her desk. And I said, oh, but you could have sat on the sofa for this interview. And she said, no, 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 I would never. I always come to my desk. And I said, but, you know, we would never think that's strange. We would never, ever, like, disregard a candidate because they were in a T-shirt where it's hot, because it's hot and sitting on a sofa working because what difference does it make to us? Their output's going to be better. They're way more productive wherever they're comfortable um, than sitting at a desk just because that's what society says you need to be doing and how you need to be doing it and how you come across best. So, and I think it's the same thing with the hours. It's kind of this thing of like working overtime. I, I was explaining to her at the time that like, if she's burnt out and she's got no work-life balance, then she's no good to the company. And if we're causing that, then we're no good to her as a person and her mental health. So I think, I mean, we've always, we've always believed really, really strongly about the sustainable. So, you know, this, this, this thing of everybody helping each other out and all the parties doing the best for each other for the best outcome for the company. And this idea of like when people often in recruitment, people say, oh, I work till eight, nine o'clock at night. And I say, do you have to do that? Do you choose to do that? Yes, it's very nice to, you know, go for the person who works overtime. But why are they working overtime? Is it because they're not being productive or is it because they just love what they're doing and they want to carry on? Or, you know, you have to kind of get to the, the, the real like crux of why that's happening because you can't live like that. That's no actual way to live. And this thing of like having to like force people to take leave, like you need to take leave. There's a reason you're given leave. There's so many yeah. benefits that come from taking leave and having a change of scenery and 
seeing the world or, you know, just exploring or just, just getting, you know, getting your brain out of the work mode, really. A hundred percent. And Martine, you know, it, it speaks to exactly what you were saying earlier, um, purely yeah. about being, it's almost being a compassionate leader or being a heart-centered leader is, is how I speak. I hear about, you know, how you and Gavin do things, you know, where yeah. there's this sense of being able to understand what's, what people need um, and, yeah, leading, leading with compassion and leading in a way that people feel that there is a sense of, like a, a safe holding space where you are. I mean, you can't mm. expect to be people's, uh, you know, as leaders in an organization, you can't be the daily psychologist uh, dealing with mm. every single issue every five seconds, but there's got to be a, a safe space um, because mm. then you're going to get the best possible employee. If there is any kind of psychological, where there's a sense of the lack of safety, I'm sure you've heard of that in, an, in the workplace as well, where people feel unsafe. Um, yeah. Then you're not going to get performance. You're going to get a mm. you're going to get a really bad productivity out of someone. So when you go into different companies to help them imp- improve the wellness of their team, how is it that you actually guide the company into improving their beliefs or their structures and how to actually implement these things on a daily basis? So you know, break it down into you know the vo- the work of a health coach would be not just me that I would use in in a company. So I would have to look at what other okay. specific needs um, of that particular company. Um, we would actually need to be a, a fit. So me as the health coach and the company would need to be a match because they would mm-hmm. need to be able to resonate with who I am because essentially I would be going in there to to support their environment. So inside of that. Um, there'd need to be something that really sits with who I am in the world and seeing if my core values are a match with theirs. And then it would be a client-led approach, which is essentially what, what health coaching really is. It's not about me necessarily educating from the top. Um, it's about me listening actively to what is going on in this space and how could we transform what is required to achieve whatever specific outcomes you're after. So if um, if the health section of the business is something that people are concerned about, people working crazy hours and um, that they mm-hmm. don't, you know, see taking hobbies um, seriously or family time or things like that. Like how could we put together um, a way to improve the company culture? That's what I would do generally. And it's what I have done. Um, so it's just about actively listening to what the needs are. Um, and then it's about me being more of a facilitator for the change that they're looking for rather than an expert. So I always say, I don't like to be the cleverest person in the room. I know loads of amazing, clever people. Um, and what I often do is, depending on what the needs are, I would, I would bring in certain people that would be um, the people to help facilitate what change that particular business is looking for. So, I, And I do the same, whether it's with businesses. Um, I also work with w- groups of women. Um, I'm going to be working with a functional medicine health doctor soon where we're working with actually ill people with, you know, autoimmune issues or thyroid issues. But that wouldn't be suitable for a, a workplace setting. In a workplace setting, you kind of keep it more high level um, mm. because, again, there may be something that you pick up on. Um, specifically on engagement. I mean, I quite like utilizing the virtual platforms. Um, I think it's been incredible how virtual has been able to facilitate improvement um, in teams as well, because you'll notice where people never come on camera, um, they never engage in the chat, maybe they're embarrassed about their home. Um, So that's been something quite interesting for me to notice as well. Like, why, why do we never see your home? Like there's some people that are only too happy to show their home. So it's it's all of those challenges. Like you literally in the virtual space are also able to to make uh, beautiful changes as well. 
Very interesting, actually, if you think about introducing Zoom. So we had a rule where you have to have your camera on. Yeah. So at Sendable, our rule is with all meetings, you have to have your camera on. Yeah. And I do the same, you know, if I'm speaking, if I've got meetings with people outside of the company, we always have the camera on because I think it's so important to firstly know who you're talking to, but also, as you say, the home is, it, it's kind of, I feel like I've got to know people so much better in a 10 minute meeting or whatever it is, just because of that. And we would never have had the opportunity to, to have that without, without having to work remotely. And I think it's actually, it's a nice kind of icebreaker sometimes that you can talk about whatever, or they can say, well, oh, I just bought this plant or whatever in the background, whatever it is, something Correct. as big or Correct. as small. It's just, it's a nice kind of icebreaker. It's a nice like window into the person's life outside of work. hundred percent. You know, I- I love it when, you know, when the cat jumps on someone's lap or the dog barks. Yes. It's, it's because that's one of the kids the, come in. One of the kids come in. No, that, that's, yeah. that's because you're getting yeah. a context of who, who is this person? Because otherwise we might as well all be, um, we might as well be, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, because if yeah. all you are is somebody inputting, inputting data into a computer, we aren't machines. So it's not only also about output, which is sometimes a difficult conversation to have with the CEO because it's all about, output but well you're not going to get any output if the health and well-being of your team is not where it needs to be so it's 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 kind of grassroots level as far as i'm concerned and and my real wish would be to say that this should be something that every single business doesn't matter what size they are has some type of health health coach footprint in what they do and it and it will start to happen um, I do believe it will happen because there's more people that are becoming health coaches, specifically functional medicine health coaches as well. Right. So, and more yeah. people becoming aware of the need for it too. Yeah. And also if you want to attract the right staff, correct? I mean, you know, your, your biggest asset are your people at the end of the day. If you want to have the right people, you've got to have the right environment. Absolutely. Especially now that saying that you can, you offer remote working, isn't that appealing anymore? Because <laughs> everybody's doing that. That used to be a way of attracting um, yeah. talent. Was by saying you offer remote working. Now everybody's doing it. So that's not, now you have to think of the next thing. Or flexible. In other words, you know, we've got a flexible. So that's great. Okay. So I've got to deal with all these other things and I'm actually working much harder than I've ever worked because of this flexibility. You know, if you think of the old days, yeah. people would go to work on a train or a bus or a car and they would get there. They, all their devices would mm. remain there, yeah. even if they, they weren't even devices, you know. So it's, um, it's that ability to disconnect. So I think I spend quite a lot of time. Um, in a space of mindfulness, um, in a space of um, what is it that we need to to be present to make a difference for this particular person? Because there is no company, there is no person that presents exactly in the same way. So um, it's about being, yeah, creating something unique for what they're looking for. Earlier on, you mentioned your core values. Can you explain a little bit about these? So, so just to answer your question with regards to what my core values are, they are a sense of connection, collaboration, community, and contribution. So when you're able to bring those four things to what you do, um, for me, they're actually, you know, they're, they, they're my values, but I also do believe that they're universal values because you have people being people, being human being when you engage these types of values. So if I were to break them down, everybody wants a sense of connection. The first thing that came up is my family. That's my connection. That's my why, okay? A sense of community. I don't like to work by myself as an island. I'm always searching for people to collaborate with, people that I can work together with. Um, and, and in terms of building community, like 
that's what you're doing right now as well. Like you're mm. building a community, you're building this opportunity for people to see, well, what is important? Um, and then I think, you know, if I look to people that feel that they're making a difference, um, I'm sure you, you've been exposed to the book, um, The Blue Zones by Dan, I can't remember his surname, but they speak about the, uh, the people in Japan. I think they, some community where what helps them to grow into old age is that sense of, community and connection, but also a contribution. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you're making a difference or you're doing something, you you feel connected to your overall sense of, of who you are. So it's really important to to kind of understand what your core values are. But again, not a tick box exercise of these mm-hmm. are my values, but actually what are they? So these these really are my values. Every time I look at them, I've actually wrote them down in front of me now. Um, I'm looking at them and I'm like, every time I check Yep, that's exactly who I am. Yeah. And if I and if I'm somewhere that doesn't resonate with this, then something needs to change. So I think that's also something within an organization. There has to be um, there has to be resonance. There has to be a sense of um, everybody being on the same page. And I think a simple value check, you know, it would yeah. be a simple uh, way to know: Are you a fit? You know, it doesn't matter what your skills are. Skills can be learned, but are we on the same page for what we want out of life and for why are we doing all of this? Yeah, that's right. It's actually interesting because we've got, you know, we've got our values at Sendable, but okay. um, it's interesting because these are more wellness ones. So that's actually, uh, as you say, of equal importance, really. Because, uh, uh, you know, when defining if somebody is the right fit, it's not only about the work values, it's about these wellness values also and just their beliefs and their viewpoint on things and how they balance life and work and everything. So let's say somebody starting out a company or, or starting to expand or starting to recruit for the first time. How do you think you can develop a strong wellness and work-life balance from the outset? Well, there could be very simple structures to put in place. I mean, I'm, I'm sure from an HR perspective, it would be using simple questionnaires or engagement tools to just to get a baseline of, of where that person is at. Um, you know, simple health checks would also be a good thing to do. If you've got somebody that's just actually physically unhealthy, we can't ignore basic um, you know, cholesterol, um, blood pressure, all of those kind of basic checks. You may not be able to get that information from them, but it could be maybe something for you to say, I'd love to know, are you actually in good physical health, you know? Mm. Um, so there's that the physical health component. And from a functional medicine perspective, we always look to physical health, spiritual health, emotional health, and mental health. So it's all four of those that kind of, kind of if you put the person at the center, how does their health look with all of those different elements? in terms of wanting to bring those people into your organization. And when you hear that somebody, in terms of their physical health, they go walking on the weekends, in terms of their, um, you know, their emotional health, they've maybe got a partner and they've got a puppy, okay? Mm. You know, it could be their spiritual health, maybe they're religious or they um, they go to church on Sunday or they, in, they enjoy reading personal development books. Mm. You know, so there's all these different elements. And in terms of mental health, you could see that they, oh, they, they've got a, an app on their phone for meditation or they, um, whatever it may be. So it's kind mm. of just trying to get a, a picture of who is this person that's separated from their CV in terms of their recruitment. Yeah. I mean, how two-dimensional um, is a CV, you know, in terms of who is this person on this piece of paper? It's this document that, yeah. you know, in words that through an applicant tracking system is going to determine whether or not this person is a fit for your organization. So there's so much more um, to uh, that yeah. person that, you know, in recruitment, you'd have to look at multiple different factors. I'm not an expert in recruitment. So I just, I just want to say, it's just my, um, 
uh, how many people also recruit and then it's an unsuccessful hire as well. It's just interesting because, as I said, we're recruiting at the moment, so it's very fresh in my mind. And I often say to people, like, what do you like to do on the weekends? And then they'll – or, like, what do you do – like, what do you enjoy? I'll say, what do you enjoy doing? And then they'll – like, let's say they're a developer. They'll start – answering in a kind of a like but I don't know I'm not a developer so I don't know half the time what they're actually saying but you know this development lingo of things they like to learn and research and whatever and I'm like no no I mean like what else do you do and they're like what do you mean I'm like like what else like tennis football do you watch movies what do you do and they're oh yes of course I like to do this and this and this but they like can't imagine that that's actually what I'm asking they assume it has to be work-related and we're like no, because we don't want you to just sit there and work 24 hours a day. We want you to have other interests. We want you to, you know, to have passions, the things that you want to do with or without the team after hours or whatever. You know, if you've made a friend in the office, great, but you're not expected to. You can go with your other friends and you can go and do what you enjoy doing. It doesn't always have to be work all the time. Exactly. And I, and I, I think you're, you're 100% right. And it's also about looking for what sparks that, that, that smile or that joy in somebody. It's like almost like you could ask like 10 questions and then it's like, aha, that's the question. That's, that's what I was looking for. That's why, and that's why I want to hire you. It's not about anything else you've said until this point because it's, yeah. it's about tapping into who that person is. So, you know, motivational interviewing, um, understanding why somebody ticks is a big part, I, I would assume, in the recruitment space and, um, and it's just about getting to grips with who that person is. And of course, then there needs to be a, a basic alignment around their skill set and you know, how much does this, how much do I have to teach you? How much are you a self starter? And it's interesting because yeah. in health coaching, um, you know, people often say, Leora, well, what do you do? Like, what do you actually do? Because you seem to really, you sound more like a life coach. So I said, well, I'm a bit of like a life health coach because mm-hmm. ultimately health is life and life is health. Um, and if you put people at the center, and you don't treat everybody, you know, in, a, in the exact same box that they need to be treated, then you're going to get a really healthy, happy workforce because ultimately that's how you're going to grow and that's how your business mm-hmm. is going to expand. People want to be there. You know, they're not trying mm-hmm. to just tick, click in and, you know, clock in and clock out of their hours. Yeah. And people often ask, what's the culture of your company like? Or how do you develop culture? There's a lot of talk nowadays with culture and I really think the two go together. You can't have one without the other. No, you can't because, it, and I know it's an old adage when, you know, like you've, you, people say to me, what is a good decision I should make with regards to my health? And they often, sometimes they think I maybe want to sell them a supplement or something. I said, mm. do you have a good bed? And they're like, um, yeah. I said, well, you sleep on your bed, you know, hopefully eight hours a night, like make sure you invest in the best possible bed you can afford as an example. So yeah. it's the same thing as, you know, you're going to spend so much time in your in your work life. Make sure that the people you work with are people you actually like and that you want to work with. And it's not just, you know, the world has changed. People don't just, you know, the types of people that are coming into the working world right now are not people that are, you know, um, just looking for a job. They're looking for something exactly, as you said, that's a culture fit for who they are in the world. Because it's an extension of who you are. You know, you're not... If you look at your social footprint, you want to be able to be loud and proud about the work that you do. I know that I do. You know, I yeah. my work is my life and my life is my work. And when you're living your work as your as your life and your passion and your purpose, it, it's 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 a much bigger picture. And it's it's right. very meaningful. Yeah. And it's nice also that you can you can extend your work to your family and they can all you can all kind of 
learn from each other and that type of thing. Like you were saying, the family's at the heart of everything. So it's nice that you've got to work that you can kind of instill those, instill those values in your family too. So it doesn't always feel like work. <laughs> yeah. Although family, sometimes it's the hardest, Martin. It's, yeah. the, you know, like I often say like, you know, I, I, can, I help so many people and I'm grateful to have been able to help so many people. And that's, yeah. it makes me happy. I never get tired. I get totally energized by helping people. Yeah. And the truth of it is that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I look back on myself and I look at my own family and I'm oh, wow, I need to be more patient with my children. Yeah. I need to put down my technology. I need to, yeah. you know, I, I had I had to get my kids lunch before this call. And it, the, the automatic thing from a health coaching perspective is, you know, what do you do? You grab lunch, you know, just quickly yeah. open a box of pizza, pop it in the oven. But it's a short term gain. For, it's a short term win for a long term loss, actually. Yeah. So what I did, I, I cut up the fruit and I you know, put a bit of hummus and I put some lovely healthy things on and, and adults and people in the workforce are exactly the same. So yeah. the guy that's sitting in your meeting on camera and he's eating lunch in the middle of the meeting, mm. hold on a second, you know, d- did you get a chance um, to sit down and mindfully look at what was on mm. your plate? Was there, are there good quality nutrients in front of you? Do you feel energized or did you just have a burger and now you're falling asleep in the meeting because you are exhausted from what you're consuming so it's all Mm. of these kinds of things that work life is actually just a mirror image of every other way that life exists so it's it's starting to move more into working working relationships I mean I don't think you want to you you can't worry about what every employee of yours has for lunch but Mm. it's like is there a healthy is there a healthy office or if it's remote like are you now actually able to continue the healthy um, office snacks that we used to have do you buy do you buy fruits and vegetables? Are you eating yeah. quality nutrients? So if you were to give five small tactics for businesses to maintain wellness in their teams, what would these be? So again, it would be individualized to each specific team based on, on their needs, mm. but broad-based tactics would be a check-in. So number one, mm-hmm. check-in with your people, know who they are, know what they want, and make sure that you maintain that sense of connection and community. And um, another one would be um, to actually check in again around what their choices are with regards to their personal life. So everything we've touched on, looking at, you know, what they do in their free time, what do they do with their eating habits, their exercise habits, etc. cetera. Um, another one could be to look at something as simple as their sleeping habits. And probably this is the most important one. It's something that CEOs tend to struggle with the most. Um, in fact, I would say, I know this is a maybe a broad sweeping statement, but CEOs struggle to sleep. Why? Because the buck stops at them. They are holding that organization together. So sleep, 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 and sleep. Um, I would also absolutely look to what that person's doing beyond their working life, not only in terms of their interests, but do they have other business interests as well? So just to Mm. start to actually support who that person wants to be in their life moving forward as well, so that there's just this long-term investment um, in that person and their and their ultimate well-being. And then the final one I would say would be to listen intently to what your staff say and then also listen for what they don't say. That would be my final one because it's sometimes what's not said that is your biggest, biggest thing to listen out for. Mm, I think that's a good parenting tip too. Yes, exactly. Yes, the body language, nonverbal, nonverbal communication, everything, yeah. Okay, so Leora, thank you so much for joining me. Just to end off, where can people find you online if they want to reach out to you? 
So I'm embarrassed to say that after all this time, I still don't have a website, Martine. I haven't put it together. It's one of those things on my list. So probably the best place uh, is on LinkedIn at this moment in time. I do have like a landing page on my website with my email address. So you can contact me there. Uh, reach out to me um, on LinkedIn is always the best. And yeah, please feel free to just check in and see what it is that you may need uh, for your company. I'd be only happy to and have an exploratory conversation with you. So, and thank you for the time today, Martine. I really appreciate that this is something that you value um, in the work that you do. Absolutely. Thank you. It was really nice having you on. Bye. Bye.